Hey, this is John Sally, and thanks for listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hi, this is Katie Dalebout, author of the book Let It Out, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hello, my name is Don Jose Ruiz, co-author of the FIFA Agreement, and you're listening to Humble Warrior Podcast. Hey, it's Jason Robel, the author of Eternity, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Yo, this is Tommy, TommyMacYoga.com. You are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Handstands, everyone. Hi, this is Bob Ross. I'm a teacher of Transcendental Meditation, and you're listening to a great show, the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is PJ Fleck, rowing the boat at Western Michigan Football. You're listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. And this is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello, Humble Warriors. What is happening? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Are you over this election yet? You know, from last week? <laughs> Thank God we had that podcast with Jonathan Ellerby because yeah. that helped me through a lot. Good. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I've made peace with, with everything. We're going forward. Good. President Trump, let's do this. We just got to go with it, right? We can only control what we can control, right? It's yeah. how we react. That's right. That's right. Um, so, this is the Humble War Podcast, broadcasting from Birmingham, Michigan. And I'd like to thank everybody for subscribing to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes, following us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, and liking the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And today, we have a guest in the studio. Yes, these are the best. We're here, together. Doesn't happen Life. often. Nope. And it's a friend of yours. It's a friend. I mean, back to back, one with Jonathan and now uh, Callan. So um, we're pumped, excited. I like it. I like it. He's doing good work in the world. So let's introduce him. In the studio today, we have Cal Lou. And Cal, he walks a dual path in his life like a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. By day, he directs a global developer program for FLIR Systems. But by night, he's found a calling as a serial social entrepreneur. Cal is the co-founder and executive director of Intentional Legacies, the Intentional Living Collective, the Rising Phoenix Awards, and Conscious Rights. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, Cal. Hey, thanks, John. How's it going, guys? Good. What's up, my brother? Hanging out. Good. Hanging out. It's good to be here with you. Good to see you. It's been a, it's been a little bit. Yes, sir. So where do we start with Cal? You know, so I've met Cal through the, the uh, through his awards program and I've learned so much about what he's doing and the people that you're involved with. And why don't you just give a high level of sure. maybe each of your companies and what you're doing? Mm -hmm. uh, and because it's it's unique and it's uh, it's great work. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Happy to. And, you know, John, if it was as easy as saying there was a, a night, night job and a day job, it would be great. But it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> what ends up happening is I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant for this company, FLIR, and I work for them whenever I need to work for them. Oh. And sometimes it's by day, sometimes it's by night. But, you know, the, the beautiful thing about being independent is you can do what work you need to when you need to do it. So it, it all balances out really nicely. That's a good option to have. Yes. Yes, it is. So I'm a lucky man. I'm a blessed man in that way. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend much time talking about the FLIR. I mean, it's it's a technology job. It's a ton of fun. We do some really cool things with technology, but that's not why. I, I don't think that's why I'm here so much. Mm -hmm. um, what I chose to do is get out of the corporate America track. I found myself, you know, some years ago going down a path where I, I you know, I was doing all the things I was supposed to do and I was really good at it. Right. And I had the great job. I had the career path. I had the great home. You know, all, everything you're supposed to want in life was there. 
and I, I woke up feeling empty. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, the, the person I had become wasn't really the person I chose. It was the person I was expected to be. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, you know, through the course of the years, I managed to get off the uh, kind of the, the drone track, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I decided to open up my own businesses that would make a difference in the world. So it's not about chasing the almighty buck. It's about how you can give back to the world and make it a better place. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So uh, you'd mentioned four of the companies. Um, I started off with a company called Intentional Legacies. Yeah. We do, uh, we do some pretty cool work. Uh, we have a, a couple of products or services. We have something called personal legacy planning. And uh, the idea behind personal legacy planning is helping you take a look at the way you're living and the way you're showing up in the world. And then we have you think about, well, what's going to happen when you're not here anymore? How will people remember you? And it, it comes down to what's the footprint you've left behind and how did you uh. affect people? So we help people kind of look in the mirror, um, figure out who they want to be and put plans in place to, to become that. Uh, we have something called business legacy planning. It's about helping business owners, you know, really do a good job of planning things out so that your legacy or your wishes can be um, affected through your business, whether you're there or not. So if you imagine putting all of your heart and soul and probably a lot of your money into a business mm-hmm. and then just some time comes when you can no longer be there to run it, who's going to pick it up? How's it right. going to carry forward? And, and have you done everything you can to make it successful without you? Got it. And at the same time, we help people get off the corporate track. So if, for example, you know, maybe Chris is going down the path just like I was and he's got this job and he decides this isn't the path he wants to be on, we help people figure out how to get out of a dead-end place and and start something that's closer to the heart. It's what we do with business legacy planning. Great. So that's kind of one-on-one work then? It's mostly one-on-one. We do some workshop work where we'll bring in groups of people, but it almost always ends up being one-on-one or one-on-a-small group of people who are all working together in a space. Wow, that's really... I wish I wish I was around like 10 years ago when I was trying to figure things out. <laughs> well, think about it. You know, it's needed in the world right now, you yeah. know, and it's, it's, we've all, we've all, we've all come, we, all three of us have played that game of being yeah. in the corporate world. And wow, if we knew that there was a service or something to, mm-hmm. to even just talk to about this, you know, cause sometimes that's all it takes is putting a plan and process because sometimes we think we have to make this knee jerk reaction and oh my gosh, we have to leave tomorrow. But right. You know, you put a plan in place and, and, and a right plan and execute on that plan. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's what you're doing for people. And wow, what a nice thing it would have been to have. Yeah. An yeah. option, right? To at least explore. You don't even yeah. have to execute it, but you have a written out plan. Do this, this, and this. And I could be out in whatever that is, three months, six months, mm-hmm. a year. Yep. Yeah. I, I know. I, I know what happened to me was that one day the corporate track was just, it was starting to to bear down on me. And I'm like, what is, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Right. And then the company started making decisions that I just ethically and morally and inside my soul, I couldn't stand by. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. This is not what I thought this was going to be. And at that point, you know, as, as a guy, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm quitting. (laughs) Right. And then you're like, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. And it's nice to even, you know, shoot, I mean, we've, you know, I can only talk from my perspective, but how nice it would be to even have it just to have a plan in place because you could even be at a job and that job may no longer be there a week from today. Something right. out of your control. Well, right? that, that happens more often right. now than ever. Right. And I think that's one of the challenges. I think when we look at our careers and making a living, 
you know, we've talked about this before. There's kind of this, you have to make a living, but you also have to live with yourself. And then there's this balance between the two. Because right. sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to get by. and But you have to mentally and spiritually understand, all right, this is my path for now. Yes. Right. I think a lot of times what happens, we think this is it. This is all I've got. I'm <laughs> right. working this nine to five job. I don't have anything else. I can't do what I want because I have to put food on the table and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds like you're really tapping into that that kind of thought process and, and helping to provide clarity to people. Oh, we are. We are. We're trying to help people find a better path. And like you said, you can't necessarily just jump off of one path onto another one. Mm-hmm. You have to have a plan and you have to give it some time and Sometimes, you know, the thing that you think you want to do, you start doing it and you don't want to do it anymore. Right. So part of the trap people fall into is thinking they have to have it figured out. You Mm -hmm. have to know what you're going to be. You (laughs) have to have a label. Right. Right. And the truth of the matter is all we really have to figure out is what's next. And sure. So, um, you know, there's, you talk about the corporate track. Mm -hmm. People stay in the corporate track a lot of times because it's safe. Yeah, because it's secure and you, you get the good money and you get the steady paycheck and you get the benefits and you get the 401k and those things feel like security at the time. But what they really end up being is handcuffs. They lock you into something. And if, if it's not what you really want to do, then getting out of that track is really hard because that's dope, man. That's that's mm. stuff you get addicted to and it's yeah. hard to get off. Right. Of. Yeah. So my experience with that, John, was, you know, I, I worked for Intel. You know, the, oh, okay, the computer yeah. manufacturer. Yep. I, I worked for them for 18 years. And so my early, from right out of college, I started working with them, and I rose up through the ranks at Intel. And I ended up getting into the place where I was the chief of staff for one of the senior vice presidents, right? So you're moving up, you know, kind of a middle-level manager. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly I'm in the room with the senior staff, and I'm listening to people have these conversations about what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. And I come to realize that it was all being driven by ego, you know, mm-hmm. ego, greed, um, yep. all the wrong reasons why. And then they went about finding reasons you know, how they were going to spin stuff so that it didn't look like that. Right. It looked like it was the right thing. Right, right. right. Yep. But, you know, you peel away the layers and you realize that any of these big companies you go to, and in, in some ways, anywhere you go, there are politics. And, you know, people aren't necessarily doing things for the right reasons. And right. that's not something that either any of the three of us want to be a part of. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's... A, that's <laughs> Very similar to what happened to me. Okay. I, I was at a very well-known mortgage company. And as you rise through the ranks, you get access to more information. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that information is not what you thought it was. Yeah. You know, and this company was known for its culture and known for how it treats people. And as you go up, you're like, whoa, is this really how people think? Yeah, so right. what does this culture mean? And then there's a disconnect. And then you really start, you know, what I did was start questioning myself Mm -hmm. and where I was headed and kind of looking in the mirror and seeing the kind of person that I was becoming. I'm like, okay, something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't live in that environment as much time as we do every day Mm -hmm. and not be affected by it. Right. Right. So it, 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 you become a part of it or it becomes a part of you or one way or the other, you end up becoming something you didn't mean to be most of those times. Right. Right. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing. No. You know, sometimes early in my career, it was fun. I was like, wow, this place is great. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, your perspectives change as you move along. 
life situation, things change, we grow, we change. Right. But it, you're, what you said is really important. I'm not putting a judgment saying it's necessarily bad for everybody. Right. And the, the fact is the three of us all sit here nodding about this. We can all feel this. But we make trade-offs in life. We make priority calls. And we, it, it comes down to really what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And peel it down even lower. It's like, what are your core values? Right. And when I was, you know, 23 years old, one of my core values was just getting established. Mm-hmm. Is about getting enough safety and security, and get, you know, building enough uh, of image that I could become the man that I thought I wanted to be. And that was a perfect path for me at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, as you go through the different phases in life, you know, your values do shift. I mean, your core values hopefully stay very consistent, but you know, what's important to you when you're 23 is very different from what's important to you when you're 33. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so the, what you'll see, the, the common thread for all the companies that we talked about that, I, that I've started is it's all about finding out who you are. It's about knowing yourself really well, mm-hmm. you know, knowing your core values, knowing what's important to you, and then living a life that's in alignment with your core values mm-hmm. and you know, showing up in the world the way you really are on the inside as opposed to what, pe- what you want people to see. Right, right. So that's, that's what Intentional Legacies was about. I like it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a for-profit company. I mean, there are some things that we do. We, you know, we help people with business planning and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's, it's naturally a for-profit company. It, it's not about making a lot of money, but it doesn't qualify as a nonprofit in terms of how the government would look sure. at this kind of thing. Now, what we did is we... Not like the NFL, which is a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a nonprofit, just not by a design. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there's a new one. It's called the Intentional Living Collective. Um, uh-huh. it, it is a nonprofit. Uh, it's actually a, a fairly recent thing. Um, what we did is we looked at some of the big programs we were rolling out, and we're looking at how we were affecting people and realizing that if we could tap into, you know, first make it a nonprofit, um, and, and show the intention behind what we're doing. And second, by being a nonprofit, we could tap into funding sources to really scale what we're doing. So we, we have access to grants and funds, and people are more willing to contribute dollars to a nonprofit to support the growth of it. Um, the Rising Phoenix Awards is one of the programs that started off as a part of the Intentional Legacies business, and we shifted over to the nonprofit. And uh, what, the, what the Rising Phoenix Awards is about, it's about using... Um, the experiences and using the stories and using the journeys that people have been through to inspire people who are going through it now. So people who have been through just the worst stuff, the hardest life transitions, they, they went through it. They were transformed. They, I'm sure they learned some things along the way. Right. Well, you, have, you take them and you have them share their stories. And by the, in the process of sharing your story, somebody else can listen to it and go, damn, Damn, I feel that. That's me. And you see the light at the end of the tunnel because somebody else figured it out. Now, the people who uh, we have an evaluation system where everybody submits their stories and the most inspiring of the stories end up getting, you know, getting access to there's uh, our sponsors given sometimes cash. Sometimes they give services. So we put together a service pack that uh, the people who are the most inspiring people get to kind of. Um, walk away with and what they do is they direct the funds back to a a charity of their choice so you know chris for example was nominated for a rising phoenix award this year yeah i appreciate that yeah that's how we ended up connecting yes yes and look and now we're here yes so now if chris were to you know be named one of the most inspirational stories of all of these right then he gets you know a bucket of money that he could say okay i'm really attached to any foundation and i Mm -hmm. want to direct the funds that way wow that's what we will do yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yes, yes. Hope so. We shall we go down and take it one day at a time, right? That's Let's right. See where it goes. That's right. 
So that's one of the programs. Uh, it, another program that actually started as a collaboration between Intentional Legacies and some of my dear friends at New MythWorks. Uh, it's called Conscious Rights. And we talk about helping people figure out who they are. And part of, part of my, my strong belief system is that we as adults can make a difference. But one of the biggest differences we can make is to build better, you know, to raise better kids. Mm-hmm. And so Conscious Rights, is, it's, it's, a, it's about delivering rites of passage experiences and programs to help kids really get a great foundation from a young age and not have to get down the path where they find themselves someplace they didn't expect to be. Right. So that's, that's a pretty cool program as well. And that also has moved under the, the Intentional Living Collective. So the collective is about, one, delivering really kick-ass programs for the community. Mm-hmm. Can I say that on this show? You yeah. can say whatever you want. Oh, God. That's, it, yeah. that's <laughs> not the worst thing that's been no, said. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, we're just warming up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right, so we get these, these really good programs that can have a big impact on the community. That's a great start. But we looked at the fact that Chris is doing great things. John's doing great things. We've got all of these little micro-communities of people who are putting their heart and soul into building something that makes a difference. Well, what happens if you connect them all together? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So Chris is shining his light, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And John's shining his light, and the people at Sunshine are shining their light. And mm-hmm. you know, So I've got all of these micro-communities, and we're building a, a network where we're intentionally or consciously connecting them all together. And the idea is to deepen the connections in the communities, one, and two is to expand the impact that we all have. Wow. And yeah. I, could, I could give you some pretty cool examples of how it's happening already. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, go for it. So there's a guy in, a guy in Toledo. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and use his name. Right? He's been nominated for a Rising Phoenix Award. His name is Matt Bell. Matt um, shared his story with us. And in the interest of letting him tell his own story, I'll just give you a couple, couple important parts of it. He was a drug addict for 18 years. He lost control of his life. He had everything going for him, and he lost control of it. And one day he woke up on the streets with not a penny to his name, nothing. And he decided uh, that he either had to die or he had to live, but he couldn't stay where he was at. And so he ended up taking another path that got him to the place where he was. He changed his life completely. And in the course of a year, he reversed all of those things, and he got back all of the stuff that he lost. Wow. And in the process, he created a company. It's called Team Recovery 419. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they help people just like him get off the streets and get their lives back. Mm-hmm. So it's a, an addiction recovery service. Now, that's the reason I bring that up is because there's a guy in Toledo shining his light. Right. right? Well, there's a woman in Flint who also was an addict. Uh, she went through a lot of the same stuff, and she was moved to create a business to help other people get off the drugs okay, and to find jobs. And she's into holistic healing therapy, and so she's teaching people Reiki and things. Like, so she's reskilling people as well. Mm-hmm. And so there's a light in Toledo, a light in Flint, and they've never met. And there's right. another woman in Toledo, got nominated for a Rising Phoenix Award. Um, she also has chosen to share her story. It will be made public when we launch, when we release this stuff. She was uh, an addict. She was a prostitute. She was a lot of things, but she decided that she wanted her life back, Mm -hmm. right? So she went down a path, and she created another business that helps prostitutes, streetwalkers, get off the street and get their lives back. And I bring these people up because there are three bright lights shining, and they've never met until I introduced them, Mm, right? And that's the beauty of the Rising Phoenix Awards is Chris tells his story, Matt tells his story. And we're connecting these little communities of people trying to make a difference. And now they're all able to help more people. You know, that, that, that's so cool. And especially when you get people in a room from all different walks of life. Because when you realize you go down this path 
and you get to the place where you're proud of everything that's happened to you, right? Because if you're sharing your light, you're actually proud. You're in service. You found your purpose. Yeah. And what may be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what that person went through. And you may be saying it to that person, but it was all purposeful. So I love this exercise that if you gather probably all these people in a room and everybody put their problems in the middle mm-hmm. and they looked at each other's problems, you'd probably take your own problems back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It ain't yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, it, ain't, yeah. it, it ain't so bad. But for you, there's there, you had to go to whatever that depth was to get to that place where you can shine your light. Yeah. And that's just, you know, whatever one wants to put on a God, universe, the divine, that is how it's it works for each one of us. You bet. And that's, you know, really coming to that place of the of who am I? What what is my purpose? Yeah. Now be honest, Chris. Um, you know, I shared your story. Okay. With a good friend of mine out in Portland, Oregon, who's dealing with some things that are kind of similar to some of the things you've dealt with. Mm-hmm. And it really inspired and motivated her, right? So everybody telling their story and shining their light makes a difference. It it really does. And you don't know who you're touching by doing that. Oh, shit. The ripple effect is immense. Yeah, We have no idea. No, Mm -hmm. no idea. And uh, so that's why I kind of want to kind of dovetail into is something that really moved me when we talked was, uh, and I want to make sure, is is the... is this under the conscious rights umbrella where you do the ceremony with a a young adult male? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, this is where I kind of want to dovetail because I really love this work and I think it's, it's, it's more important than ever now. Um, so you took, I want you to kind of take us through what you did through with your son, because I know growing up, it is tough to have a relationship with a dad. Um, for whatever reason, especially when you're in teenage years, because trying to figure out what that man is or what have you. And just through my dealings with good friends who are now trying to have that intimate relationship with their son and there's some resistance. And also I know a lot of women that um, either maybe divorced or single that don't maybe have the right role model for their son Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, what can I do? When I when I heard your story of what you did with your son, I was like, "This this is friggin' cool," mm-hmm. and I want to just talk about it. And yeah. So yeah. I want you to kind of take us through, you know, how this got developed. Take us through a little bit of the journey you did with your son, and I know that's something you're offering today mm-hmm. for fathers and or single moms or even parents in this with their son and yeah. and even with their daughter. But it seemed you know this obviously resonated with me being a man and, and sure. Sure, sure, and going sure. down that path. Yep, happy to share it. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll dive into that. And they start at a high level, right? Conscious rights. What what is it? It's it's an organization. It's a it's a business. It's a program. We offer rites of passage services for experiences for. We think it should be mainstream, right? We think that the way that we handle transition and growing up and coming of age is one transition of a lot of things that we go through in life. But we think that there's a better way to handle all the stress and the transition and all the negativity that we, the, the fear that we that we feel when we don't know what to expect is coming next. Mm-hmm. Does this sound familiar right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did is we put together this organization um, that gives two rites of passage experiences in two ways. One is there's programs. So if you think of um, a program where you know 10, 11, or 12 year olds may come together and all go through this experience as a small community. And we, we, we teach them a lot of things about 
you know, figuring out who you are and, and becoming the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. And we, there are a lot of things that I could get into that I'm not going to right now. I think rites of passage is essentially, it's a way to recognize where you are now and to learn and gain new tools and to get yourself ready for a next phase and then to move into that next phase and fully embrace it and really own it and let go of the old person, the yeah. old way of being. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things we can and should do in that process and maybe another discussion. Mm-hmm. So we, we approach it in a program, programmatic way where you, you know, we, you, your kids, your kids might all show up and process this together. But then we recognize that that doesn't work for everybody. There are, there are people who, one is they learn better on kind of on a one-on-one type of experience. Or two, um, you know, maybe they're not in an area where they can join a, a pre-existing group. Mm-hmm. So we offer something that we call personalized coming of it, personalized rite of passage experiences where we'll design a program specifically for a family. Mm-hmm. And if we use um, myself and my son as an example, um, somebody would come in, they would say, I, you know, I really want to have this type of experience. I want to be a, the best dad I can be or the best mom I can be. And I want them to, to really have all the tools they need to, to you know, move from being a 12-year-old into being a teenager. Yeah, I'm not a middle school person. I'm a high schooler now. Mm-hmm. And there are some really big changes that, that, that happen in that point in your life. And you need new tools. You need new perspectives. You need more community. Mm-hmm. Because what tends to happen is we go through these changes, we start to feel alone, and we start yeah. to figure this shit out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. When if you have a community behind you, you don't have to do it that way. And it gets to be a lot more well, humane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we'll do in the personalized coming of age experience, like what I did for my son, is I'll sit down as, as a celebrant mm-hmm. through, the, through the, the Conscious Rights Organization. I'll sit down with you. And how old was he when you did this? He was 14. Right. Okay. Perfect it. age. Okay. Yep, it's okay. a good age. Yep, Actually, is. ideal age is maybe a little bit oh, younger. Okay. But, but All right. So he's a 14-year-old. Um, he's, he's living in a split family, right? His mom and his sister and... They live in Toledo. Okay. I live in Ann Arbor, right? Okay. So there isn't a father figure in the house on, a, on an everyday basis. And we're close. We're very close. We have a great relationship. But the, real, the reality is I can't be there with him every day. I can't be there with him when you know, he comes home from school really upset about something that happened. Right. So um, we designed a program where I wanted one is I wanted it to be an experience where it would pull him out of his everyday life. You know, you start with a separation from every day. And you say, okay. I'm in a new space, and I'm going to experience something new. I'm going to grow, and I'm rather than having him try to figure it out on his own, or rather than me trying to be the only person who can guide this kid to, to the next level, mm-hmm. I created a community. So we we started with a, the concept of what are the core values that you really need to be uh, living, right, to show up in the world in in a strong, great way. And we looked at integrity. We looked at uh, leadership. We looked at compassion. We looked at service. We looked, so we, we came up with the six core values that were most important to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And it'll be different for everybody. Okay. It's supposed to be. But I went off then is I, I chose a, a tribe of men. I select one man in our group of family or extended family or friends that was really good at one of those values. And I hooked him up as a mentor. And we set up a six-month program where he would spend one month working with each of his mentors to really take it to heart. You know, if, if leadership was one of the core values, then the gentleman that we picked as his mentor on leadership was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Really strong man. And he might he didn't have to be good at the other stuff. He just mm-hmm. needed to be good at the one. 
And they spent a month together really uh, learning and, and relating and building a relationship. And at the end of that month, my son Jaden had to demonstrate leadership to say, yeah, I got it. Now mm -hmm. let's move on to the next lesson. And so through the course of six plus months, he ended up demonstrating really well all six of those core values. And at the end then, we, put, we pulled together the whole tribe of men and we had a community gathering where we did it at a Native American community center in Monroe, Michigan called uh, um, Otter Creek. And it's the Native American community does this so well. I mean, they're, you know, they're the, the rites of passage and the way they, the way they approach transitions is beautiful. Mm -hmm. We intentionally made this multicultural, right? It's not a religious-based experience in this case. It can be if you want it to be. But we wanted it to be multicultural. We wanted to have different perspectives brought in. And he ended up getting exposed not only to Christian and Native American and Buddhist and Taoist mm -hmm. principles, but it all kind of blends together. Right. Mm. So at the end, this whole tribe of men comes together, and he, he stands up and talks about what he learned, what he, you know, what he experienced, and how's he going to carry this stuff forward in the next phase of his life. And then we went through each one of these mentors, and they had a little dialogue in front of the group about what was it like to work together, and you know what what would what would I walk away with, and what what should I still work on? Mm -hmm. And then at the at the end of that little dialogue, he got a badge from his mentor, mm -hmm. so he got a badge of integrity, he got a badge of service, he got a, each one of these, and then we ended up creating a shield that's up literally a shield that's on his wall that's made up of all these badges and some some neat symbolism that reminds him every day you know this is these are my core values and this is how i live right and, he, and how old is he today he's 17 now he's 17 he's got that he's got it hanging up in his room still yeah yeah, yeah. i mean so i mean i got chills you know just what an experience oh my gosh I, it's I, amazing i mean you know? if if i go back Right. To being a 13, 14-year-old kid. <laughs> right. I'm like, first of all, my first question here is, how did he, how, how did you introduce the concept to him? Because I think, if I think back to myself at that age, I'd be like, I'm, Dad, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that sounds crazy to me. Yeah. You know, because it's very, you know, at that age, especially at that age, you're you're kind of uneasy about yourself. You're trying to figure out where you want to go and the right. direction and who you are. Yeah. And while, while I love it, and I think it's really powerful, how, how did you introduce that to him? How did, how did you, he, you get him to accept it? That's, uh, well, it's, this whole thing started about five years ago, actually. Okay. So it started 2011-ish. You know, I started looking at the way that our, the way that our, our society handles transitions. Mm -hmm. And that's, like I said, that's a a common thread for all the businesses I've built. And I, I, I looked at how different cultures use things. I just started, you know, looking into, well, we, we, we're not the only people dealing with this yet. There's, there's mm -hmm. other ways to handle it. So I started doing research and I found, you know, I looked at the, you know, kind of the way the Australians do this kind of stuff. I looked at the native Americans. I looked at, uh, if you look at the Jewish culture, right? They've got mm -hmm. the bar mitzvah, yep. bat mitzvah mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look, if you look at Christianity, there are rites of passage built into Christianity as well. But what I've found, um, just as a little sidebar, you know, we've had community gatherings where we ask people what their experiences were. A lot of these people that have experienced these kind of modern rites of passage yep. didn't even realize that's what they were doing. You right. know, it was just the next step in the process. Now I get my communion. Now I get you know, blah, confirmation. Blah, blah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. You're a man. Really? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now what? Yeah. 
So, uh, so I started doing all this research back in 2011, and I decided that I wanted to create something like that. But I realized that you have to have some experience. You have to have some credibility. You can't just start teaching stuff until you've experienced it yourself. Mm -hmm. So I looked for a uh, rite of passage experience for myself, a coming of age ceremony for myself, and I decided at that point that I wanted to offer one for both of my kids. So I ended up going through the Mankind Project, New Warrior Training mm -hmm. Adventure, okay. as my own personal rites of passage. You know? mm -hmm. And then I, just, I, I went to my ex-wife, and I sat down with her and the two kids. I said, look, this is something I think is really important. And it's something I want to build, and I want to I want to start with us. And you know, my my ex wife was supportive. She said, if the kids want to do it, I'm cool. Uh, my son said, Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I want to try that. I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And so we started building one together. Mm -hmm. My daughter looked at it and said, You know, my she was 16 at the time. She's going, No, that's not really for me. Mm -hmm. And so she opted out. And that's part of one of the really important really important parts about this, John, is for this kind of thing to be successful. It takes commit commitment. Right. It takes mm -hmm. commitment on the part of at least one of the parents, and even better if it's two parents, or every uh, let's call it important adult in the situation. Sure. Whatever it may be, and then the kid has to at least have an open mind. Right. Because uh, if the kid comes in closed-minded, we have experienced it where the kid just showed up and didn't do any work, and it, yep. it doesn't help anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not one of these things that you can just say, "Son, you're doing it," <laughs> right. Right. because I think. I know in my personal experience, that's kind of everything that I did as a child and going into adult. It was like, you're doing this because this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. And I think with all of us, we realize at some point that we've been doing that our whole lives, right. doing right. what we were supposed to do. Yes. Yeah. And then we realize, what what do I want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I think that's really the power of the, that your program is. It, it at least opens the dialogue with your child yeah. to have a conversation about it. And yeah. I think what's important what you're doing to your to what you're going back is your your experience growing up. You're giving your child a voice. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, "No, oh, you should do this." Mm -hmm. You know, this, you know, you're outlining a program here. I would love to do it with you, but ultimately son or daughter, it's your choice. Yeah. It and is. that's something that we're learning to be better parents is is our children have a voice. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, oh, we think this is the best thing for them, but let them ultimately make the decision. And I think that's what I like about you doing through this process again with all your companies, what I like. It doesn't hurt to come sit down and talk about it because it gets the dialogue going. Right. Yeah. Even if it doesn't follow through, you just, you know, it just wiggles that, it just wiggles your, your brain a little bit of mind. Wow, there's other stuff that can be done here. Yeah. To get to get a deeper connection with my child, or to expose them to something different. Oh man! But it a, gets that dialogue going. There's a really good example of what you're talking about, Chris. So we we just finished the pilot program for what we call the Teening Path. It's a rite of passage or coming of age program where you know we invite multiple kids in. And one of my good friends, Leah, brought her son into the program, and he was one of the kids who was just not into it. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he, he resisted her the whole way. And he was, you could see it in his body language. He was right. just there because he had to be. And what ended up happening is they withdrew from the program. But in the process of having the dialogue, it cracked open some relationship issues that they really needed to work on. Mm -hmm. And so they've actually been set off on another path where they're doing some one-on-one -on -one work together, where they're really addressing these, you know, the, the issues in the relationship. Mm -hmm. A woman and her 12-year-old are, are digging deep, and they've never done it like that before. 
Wow. So they're not in our program, but the program can By going through that process, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know that we talked about it. I'm going to put it on the air. Accountability, John. Ready to hold me accountable? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm always ready. Okay. You know I won't forget. I know. So we all have a lot of stuff going on. Plus but, it's on tape. <laughs> but Cal, I want, we're going to open that dialogue with my three girls uh-huh. and my former wife, and I'm going to use your guidance how to do that. Yes. And let's take those steps. In. All right? Wow. Let's do that. Let's Look do that. that. Right? I like it. Now, yeah. there's something even better. Right? That's a that's a really big step. I'd be yeah. honored to be a part of that, yeah. my friend. There's another thing that Chris and I are talking about that if, if you don't mind me going there. Yeah, please do. So part of the vision in this whole thing is it's supposed to be big. It's supposed to be, you know, we're going to start it in Ann Arbor. And then we're going to expand it to the region. And then, you know, we're going to go to someplace else that's kind of liberal and open-minded and would accept this, like in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. or like a Portland, Oregon. And what we're going to do is we're going to have these these places, these dots across the United States where we can get a foothold. And then over time, as we build up more and more experience and as people start to know our name and we've got all these success stories, then it's gonna, the dots are going to start connecting. Sure. So the long-range version for this is to be nationwide. I want to change the way that we as a country approach change and mm-hmm. kind of bring more peace to, the, to our lives. Now, I can't do all that. I can Why start not? it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I right. know. I know. That's right. another part of growing up, right? Shit, right. I can't do it all. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> So part of the vision all along has been we're going to certify people to do this with us. So we're building a certification process. We're going to take people through training. We're going to give them the kind of all the tools they need to go off and deliver these things um, well beyond the reach of what we can do. So we, you know, we've, we've got this placeholder for our certification process, and I built it myself because mm-hmm. I've, I've basically certified myself to do these things. I went off, I got certified as a celebrant. So I learned how from the Insight Institute, I learned how to really help people process the end of a life. So we do something called life celebrations as opposed to or in addition to funerals. I I started doing weddings, so I became inefficient for weddings. And Mm -hmm. so I went off and I got all these different experiences that I thought I needed to do this. And we're going to give other people those experiences, too. And Chris has signed up. Right, help me build this thing out. Right, I haven't yeah. certified anybody yet, but right. he signed up to help me really go through that and maybe be one of our first certified people. I'm excited about that. Let's 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 put that on the list. All right. I see. Yeah, I put it on tape on. as well. Yeah, we're got it. No, we're <laughs> it. No, no, we we committed. I think that, and I think what is kind of cool is what you've done is you brought it to a place where, for example, that I can work with you on all those things mm-hmm. as opposed to going out and and go into each one like you did. And yeah. you've kind of condensed that. Bring it in-house. And bring it in-house. And then what the opportunity then to have that under your belt if you just want to do that with just your family, friends, or others, and take that out to the world, however. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, stuff, especially like with the, I mean, just on funerals. I mean, we've had conversations on funerals. It's like, you know, you could hear a pin drop and you know and you know but it is truly a celebration if you look at it it truly a celebration and be able to be able to listen we all we all have the right to grieve and grieving is good Mm -hmm. but once we really understand really understand that this is just the evolution of life Mm -hmm. and being able to communicate that in a way to others that just don't have that feeling or seeing yet Indeed, and, you know, and and by having that, I think we can live better 
while we're here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I like, do. It's all good. I do. You know? you know, for me, Chris, it's all about consciousness. It's mm. about being conscious of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And whether, you know, we, we started saying it's not necessarily right or wrong to be in corporate America, right? Right. If you've consciously decided that's the place you want to be, then be there and rock it. Yep. Right? right. Make, make it work for you. But right. It's, I'm not here to say anything's right or wrong, but choice of jobs, choice of the way you process somebody's funeral, right? Mm. Whether you want to, you know, sit around and, and, and do it the traditional way. Right. Uh, or, or do something different like a green burial or a home funeral or any of that other stuff. And if you know your options and you've consciously decided which way you want to go, then do it. Right. But mm. what, I'm, what I'm all about is educating people on what you could do and then helping them choose what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And it, you don't even want to get me started on the funeral thing. Trust me. That could be probably its own show, you know? I, it I mean, could be. You know, we'll get there. We'll it get there. Be. Well, we've, we've actually, we have a process where we educate people. We have, a, we have a workbook. It's called the Intentional Legacies Planning Guide. And it takes people through looking at their own life and potentially the end of your life from a holistic perspective. So body, heart, mind, and soul. And so it's not about just what you do with your body. It's not about what you do with your money and your stuff. There's, you know, the, you know what lessons have you learned and how are you going to, you know, teach people something on the way out and figuring out how, how can I say this in, in such a way that people are going to want to hear it. Mm. And so there's, you know, there's, there's uh, lessons learned about life. There's lessons learned about spirituality, but I think we've all accumulated some wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Wealth in some sort. And I'm certainly not talking about money here. Right. Um, it's how do we share that? How do we use that yeah. to make other people's lives better? You know, this is interesting. It comes back to a story I think John shared a while ago. I don't know if we ever did this on the air, but this is interesting. The, back to the funeral thing. There's so much pressure on the eulogy, isn't there? And the oh, person's yeah. and the person's not even here, right? So a loved one's got to do it. Right. But you're almost switching it. Like, sign me up for this, by the way. Okay. Because now I'm up for this. <laughs> wow. I'm a, Wow. Yeah, because I why I don't want to put the pressure on my kids or someone to say my own eulogy, right? Yeah. That's what kind of what we're saying here. Yeah. What do I want to stand for now? So whenever that time comes, it could happen tomorrow, it could happen twenty years from now, it could happen sixty years from now. You kind of have that built in. So at least maybe that's something a gift, even if it's a gift mm-hmm. I can leave to my loved ones. Absolutely. That this is what I've done. Absolutely. That they can have. Yeah. And then they can make the decisions. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the toughest things. I just had a good friend who uh, lost a mom, and she's like, you know, it's going to be really hard. I have to do the eulogy, you know? I mean, you know? And as a loved one, we don't want to put our loved ones in that position. (laughs) That's the last thing we're doing. We're already dancing with the angels. Yeah. You know? So... That's all right. So now we got three things. We're we, we, can, on. we can do a whole show okay. on this one. Trust <laughs> we me. We, this one goes really deep because it's. I spent we, the first two and a half years of my business, intentional legacies, building up the personal legacy planning piece of it. Okay. And we went really deep. And you know, you and I, could, we could have this conversation for hours. Okay. But I'll, I'll give you. Maybe I can put it into a quick example. Mm-hmm. My mom and my dad. Right. They're. You know. They're. You know, my dad's eighty-eight. My mom's seventy-four-ish, okay. somewhere in there. So they're they're in this space where they've lived most of their life. They're not working anymore. Um, they're they they are thoughtful enough to put a will in place. They're thoughtful mm-hmm. enough to do a financial plan. Sixty percent of people in this country don't have a will, mm-hmm. right? Even less have financial plans, and even less have thoughts about well, what's going to happen when my funeral happens? You know, mm-hmm. right? So we, I sat down with mom and dad, and we went through this this legacy planning process with them. 
And first, Dad's kind of sitting back, and I don't know if you can get the body language, but there's this kind of guy that's sitting back, he's got his arms folded, and he's going, this is bullshit. <laughs> but he's right. listening because Mom's there, right? Right. So Mom's going through this process, and she does her whole plan, and then we get to the part about a, a life celebration. It's like, well, do you want to have a traditional funeral? Do you want to, you know, you, you ask all these, these basic questions. Do you want to be in a casket? Do you want to be buried? <laughs> oh, uh, so, we, you know, we go through all this stuff. Right. Um, we get to the part about, well, how do you want your funeral to be? How do you want, what do you want people to feel at your funeral? Because uh, if you don't do anything, it's going to go to the default. And the default right. is, is what we're all used to, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, how many of you have been to right. a, one of those funerals right. where right. it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. They're not even talking about the same person. Now they're, they're preaching something completely different. Right. So she says, okay, I want mine to be a party. I don't want people to be sitting around crying. I don't want some guy standing up there talking about me who doesn't hardly know me. Mm -hmm. So she designed a party. And we picked the place. We picked the kind of a, a theme. We picked how people are going to be invited. We picked how she's going to be presented at the party. We picked what kind of food it's going to be. So her life celebration is effectively a wedding plan. So it's a wedding that's, that's going to happen. That's funny. That awesome. When you were saying that, I'm like, hmm, I would like mine to be where I got married. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, okay. So we're going down this path and dad's sitting there. He's got his arms crossed. He's still got the scowl on his face. But as we're, as we're starting to plan hers out, he goes, hey, you know, it'd be kind of funny. Well, what if you did this? And then, you know, he loosens up a little bit. And you know, now he's an active participant in the plan. And by the time we were done, he wanted his own plan. And so now we <laughs> Of got, course. We've got a life celebration plan for both of them that looks nothing like a traditional funeral. And the point is they became aware of what they could do and they chose a different path. Right. Wow. And you gave them permission. We don't give it, you know, we, that's the other thing. We've been conditioned through these traditional ways of living and have just kind of gone through the process, right? Yeah. It's kind of also like being sleepwalking as opposed yeah. to being conscious. Yeah. Sign me up for that one. Mom and dad, <laughs> I'm coming at you. There you go. <laughs> got a lot of stuff to work on. Yeah, here. So, yeah. You know, actually, it's the holidays too. It's a perfect time. It's a good thing we have yeah, this show. Both. Yeah, no kidding, man. So right. the, the basis for the whole certification program we talked about. Okay. I actually when I when I started intentional legacies and we did the personal legacy planning, I actually certified fourteen people to be legacy coaches. So I went and I created the curriculum. I created the tools. I brought them in for training, and I I took them step by step through the process. And then we started finding clients, and I'd give them clients, and they would actually do a legacy planning for somebody, and that's how you built up your, our, our, um, our stable of coaches, so to speak. Okay. Now, we don't actively do it so much because it turns out people would rather try to fill out the book on their own than have a coach walk them through it. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it it's, it's a privacy thing a little bit, and it's an expense right. thing. And until people get more comfortable with the idea of thinking about their own death, it's going to be a really, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. going to be a really slow grow. Mm -hmm. But I think the rites of passage stuff, and when we talk about the single moms program, that's stuff right. that's going to catch on like wildfire. Yeah. Well, wow. it's, it's, it's mainstream in our culture right now. Yeah. That's what's going on. Well, yeah. I think it's a lot, you know, what I like, I don't know if we talked about it on the show or we were talking it pre-show, but this idea of change. Mm -hmm. and making change more comfortable yeah. and making it people just realize that it's going to happen no matter what but there are there are ways to deal with it that are that can make it more i guess that you're going with the flow versus fighting it right mm -hmm. and i love everything you've talked about so far um Thanks, i think it's just Thanks. it's great yeah, yeah. how'd you let me ask you, this a question we usually ask our guests is, how did you start down, I understand you were in the corporate world, but how did you really start down this, this spiritual path? 
it's uh, it, it's it's kind of tied to that, right? So yeah. part of the path was I was in this this corporate life. I was I, I realized I was thirty years old when I had my wake up call, and my wake up call was I'm looking at myself in the mirror, going, "Who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. Right? And how did I get here?" And so the the biz the job part was just a part of it. Um, there was a series of transitions in 1997 for me. And it was, if you think about the big life changes, the ones that scare the shit out of everybody mm-hmm. that you're talking about, and you know, you, you don't want to go through these changes, right. but there's some, you're, you're going through change every day, but there are some big ones that rock you, mm-hmm. you know, they put you back on your ass. And so I went through a four month period where I got divorced. My son was born. I sold a house. I bought a house. I quit a job. I started a new job and somebody that I love died. Ugh. Right, so all this shit hit me all at once, right? Wow. And you got this tidal wave, and what I what I tried to do is I tried to feel my way through it. I tried to figure it out, and I, I reached out to my family, and my family loves me. I got a great family, but honestly, family has a vested interest in in keeping you in in a position they're comfortable with. Right, right. <laughs> this is the person I grew up with, and if he goes way outside that box, it's uncomfortable for your family. Mm-hmm. And so what I was what I was dealing with is the need to really radically reevaluate who I was, and it made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I found that I couldn't really open up to my family because it scared them a little bit. And then I, I turned to my friends, and my friends were kind of judgmental because some of the shit I did when I was in that space wasn't great stuff. Right. I, right. I, I had to be honest. I was doing some things that were well outside what I would consider my, my value set today. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't... I'm not at all proud of some of the things I did in that space. So I had to come clean. If, and if you're ever gonna really make a change, you can't be carrying the shit along. You have to kind of, you have to come clean. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, I had to come clean about who I was and how I was living and, and it didn't go well with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of friends turn their back on me and say, well, you're not who I thought you were. So then I tried psychiatry. I tried therapists, sure. right? Yeah. I, I went to a marriage counselor. I went to individual therapists. And what I found was they all had something. They, they, had, they wanted an outcome, too. Mm-hmm. And I felt like some of them wanted to label me and give me a pill and send me on my way. Mm-hmm. Some of them wanted me to, they wanted to lead me down a path to get an outcome that they thought was the right outcome. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, short, the short answer to that is I had nowhere to go where I could really be myself. I had nowhere to go where I could really open up and, and just bear my soul and, and, you know, feel like I was being supported. So... I, I did. I figured it out on my own. I, you know, I, I worked my way through it, but I decided then that whenever I do start my own company, I'm going to do something to help other people not feel like they have to figure it out for themselves. Mm. And Intentional Legacies really started with that seed. It's like, we shouldn't have to do this by ourselves. There should be a community of people we can turn to who aren't going to judge us, who are going to support us, and can help us as we work our way through change. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's how that was really the seed that became this company. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's going to kind of what John says going to kind of dovetail to another the question we do ask all our guests. And you know we've talked about a little bit this sometimes on the show we coin you know spiritual fitness. What are the daily practices we do to kind of just continue to um, just keep us grounded mm-hmm. and to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And so for you by going down this path, you mentioned a lot of things that, you know, we've either talked about or I've wrote about that everybody serves a purpose, right? If it's therapy or what have you, 
you need to get all those experiences so you can get to a place where you're now comfortably with who you are um, and you're sharing your light. But what are this, what are the, so two questions, what this, what defines spirituality, what it means to you and what daily practices. So we call spiritual fitness. Mm. Do you do to incorporate in your life? So for example, yoga, meditation, or just a couple examples, what are some practices you do daily or rituals to keep you on this path? Those are two really good questions. Yeah. And, and we, and as we know, the right answer is your answer right for you right you know there is no right or wrong all right so let's start with the where does spirituality come from and what does it mean mm-hmm. right so i was raised catholic uh you know catholic high catholic grade school catholic high school i i i, I drank the kool-aid so to yeah. speak a lot of us yeah there, there's a lot of former catholics yeah right right there you go and again i'm not saying catholicism <laughs> is bad but right, you know what right. My experience of it wasn't what I would have wanted to be. And, nope. and I think for, and I can't speak for either, all three of us grew up that way, but you know, it was a platform, right? We yeah. were introduced. And how, do, and how do we use that in our life today? Indeed. So you know, I'd mentioned this, this transition point for me when I was 30. I woke up, looked in the mirror. I didn't like the person I was. Well, you know what? I needed to take a different path. And some of the decisions I had to make to take a, a healthy path for me were against my religion. Mm-hmm. You know? Divorce, you know, breaking up a family—that's some serious shit. Yeah, and I—I uh, I actually I struggle with it for the longest time. Probably the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life is to 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 cross over that bridge, and break up a family. Mm-hmm. And so, what I had to do is I had to look at well, what are my beliefs? Why do I believe that? And so I it, it drove me down into a discussion of core values. Where do my core values come from? from the church, from my parents, from the friends, from, you know, from all these different places. Well, I didn't choose them, and they were given to me. And so as I recognized that, I started to think, well, is, is, what, is, what is religion? What is spirituality? And so I started reading everything I could find about different religions. I started, you know, I read about Buddhism, Taoism, Jainism, I, you know, everything mm-hmm. that I, I, I looked at all these different things. And I came to realize as I, as I dug deeper and deeper, right, if, all of these religions are trying to do something good. At least I believe they are. And they're all trying to do it in a different way. But in, they're not always connected tightly to spirituality. And they're supposed to be, I think, at their core. And it's somewhere along the lines in a lot of these, these religions, right, some of the spiritual teaching, some of the real heartfelt stuff kind of got uh, humanized. So mm. some, you know, men started making decisions. Women started making decisions. I'm not going to go too far down that path. Mm-hmm. But the point is I came to realize that the religion I was raised in wasn't spiritual to me. Mm-hmm. And the life that I was living wasn't either effectively religious or spiritual. And I started to open my heart up. It's like I started to feel some of the messages that I got from the Taoist side of, you know, the Eastern philosophies were more true for me mm-hmm. than, than the Western things. So, you know, the idea that God is external and outside of you doesn't work for me. The idea that God is inside of me and is inside of you and you and we're all God, that kind of works for me, right? Mm-hmm. Because it connects us all together. And it, every, all, all of the power that, that exists is inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. And so for me, spirituality is not tied to a religion. If, if, if you were to ask me what religion I was, I, I, my kids kind of laugh at me. I tell them I'm a, I'm, I'm a Calouist. 
Okay. <laughs> I like that. And Calouist is probably you know equal parts Taoist, Buddhist, and Christian. Okay. Right? okay. But, you know, it's it's yeah. again, it's my religion. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. you have yours, and you yeah. have yours. Mm-hmm. So, um, my spirituality is my spirituality, okay. and it's a very it's a very deep thing because I've come to know myself. I've come to understand my connection to all of you, all of you people, and I've come to realize that I can't do anything that doesn't affect any everybody around me. Mm-hmm. So I have to live my spirituality every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do meditate. Um, I, I, I would, I'd like to meditate every day, but I don't, Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between a, a a conscious focused meditation session where you're sitting down and, and spending 30 to 60 minutes meditating and walking around and being really present in the space you're in and being really aware of, of the relationships you're in. Mm -hmm. There's a meditation in my relationships. There's a meditation in fly fishing for me, There's a peace that I find in it. I do that whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go into the gym. I take care of myself. But if you know, if you're fully present in the moment, that's a meditation for me. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've I've tried a lot of different things, um, but for me, it's it's being fully present in the moment, whatever moment you're in, wherever you're at. That's that's my spirituality. Love it. It's great. It's good. So, so I didn't. I didn't that, well, that wasn't a, a quiz or a test. I didn't no, no, that. no, no. I think what it is is I think what we're trying to do here on the show is that is we're all giving ourselves permission that whatever spirituality means to one is that that's right for you. Right. And spirituality is not religion. There's some crossover if you want. You could be religious and spiritual, but you could be spiritual and not religious. Yeah. You know, and we each have to kind of go down that path to figure out what works for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and but it's really getting to a place where I think we all want to be is where we love ourselves unconditionally. Yeah. We know we're loved. Yeah. And at the same time, we know we're connected to all. Yeah. And that just makes us loving, compassionate, kind human beings walking mm-hmm. the planet. Indeed. Indeed. And sharing light and then and then people coming connected. Like we've been connected. Mm. That stuff just starts happening. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's there's so much going on in our society right now, Chris. I mean, yeah, there is. So if you think about it, and uh, if you look at the American culture, look at what the research says, what's the fastest go- growing religion in America? Spiritual, but not religious. Mm. Yeah. Right? Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Yep. You can, they're, they're, I don't even remember what research it was, but I remember reading that. And it's like people are, are, are moving away from a strict uh, dogmatic type of religion mm-hmm. into something that's a little bit more spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very good thing. But what, what, what's happening, in my opinion, is mm. people are searching, right? People are looking for something that they can really connect to and really believe right. in. And I think with the results of the election and all the stuff going down in the last week, mm-hmm. I think it's. I think more and more people have to look in the mirror and go, "Holy shit, I voted for that, or I didn't right. vote for that, and now I have to live with it." And right, right. They're looking within. Yeah, so and that's the first step. Yeah, and that's good for all of us. It is, and that's it, good for other. And look, when you go within, sometimes you don't like what you see, but that's right. why we can change. That's how we become. That's real. how we become real. Right, right. and it starts there. Yeah. And that's the beauty, and I think that's the thing, and that's recognizing the power of saying, okay, God is in me, and God is in my brother next to me or whomever, mm-hmm. that I have the power. Who cares who president is? Yeah. I have, to pow- I have right. the power how to live my life. Yes. But I got to make the change. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I can control. I can't control who you know, is going to be president. I could do my vote, and if maybe my candidate doesn't win, I'm not going to lose sleep on it. Right. 
because right. I have that I have that unlimited power. Yeah, and right. I'm going to tap into that. Absolutely. And I'm deciding how I want to live today. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wake up Wednesday and be oh. <laughs> Well, Maybe on Thursday, but not last <laughs> <laughs> But well, think, about, uh, think about the media, right? right. Oh, the media is trying to keep you in that place of right. fear. That's what, right? There, it's sensationalism. It's 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 what will sell stories, right? And all that stuff is out of our control. That and is. that's what you were just saying. Yeah. If you focus your energy on what you can control, life gets so much easier. It mm-hmm. is, and and I think that is where the shift is going. Is is that fear based? has worked for so long and people have had enough and there's one thing that triumphs over that and i've wrote on this and we talked is is love conquers fear yeah and if we could always have and i continually work on this with every decision i make or my response to somebody or whatever if i like or don't like love over fear Mm -hmm. love over fear love over fear Mm -hmm. and if we can get to that place you know it's a it's it's a great place it is. It's a great right. place. It is. And, and I got to tell you, man, I really respect and really appreciate what you guys do, right? And this God show, all, everything you're doing to shine your lights, to make a difference, it all adds up. And that ripple effect is well bigger than it, than what we know. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, with that, you know, we're grateful you, you've come down from Ann Arbor to spend the time with us today. Where can people find you, Cal? So if people want to look you up, find out a little bit more about what you're doing, where can mm-hmm. people find you and reach out sure. to you? Let's start with the websites. So uh, intentional-legacies.com is the first one that does the personal legacy planning and the business legacy planning. You can go to theintentionallivingcollective.org. That's the one we talked about with the, the Rising Phoenix Awards program, the Conscious Rights program, and then building the connection of the networks. You can go directly to the Rising risingphoenixawards.org. Um, that's, we didn't really get much into it, but it's a really cool program. I'm really proud of it. It's growing a little bit every year. And then the consciousrights.org is the fourth website. So you can hit any of those. And if any other, any other way, you can just hit Callan, C-A-L-L-A-N, at intentional-legacies.com. Great. Email me. Great. And I want to add something new. Great. Bring it on, brother. What's your ask? What do you need? What do you want? Let's put it out there. Yeah, what do you want? All I want is for us all to shine our light, right? Just you know, strip away all the stuff that you're carrying around and shine your light. And if you're shining your light as best as you can, then the other people will be drawn to and we'll all be drawn together. That's all it takes. That's all I ask. Awesome. All right. Well, thank like you. That. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a great conversation. And if you want to make sure that you hear the rest of our great conversations that happen every week, make sure you subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod and like the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Cal, thanks again for being in studio. You're welcome. And until next week, live brave. Join us next week for the next episode of the Humble Warrior Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or visit HumbleWarriorPodcast.com to listen to our past episodes.